Good to have all of you with us uh, today on this Palm Sunday. This is the uh, time of the Christian calendar where we reflect on the day that Jesus uh, rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And everyone was so excited to see him. They were praising him and celebrating and waving palm branches and the whole deal. Um, unaware that he was going to become the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. The praises and the celebrations within a week will be turned to cries of crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Well, this uh, Palm Sunday, rather than just focus on exactly what happened that day, I want to back up just a little bit and take a look at three men that Jesus ran into on the way to coming into the city. Uh, We're going to start in Luke, the 18th chapter, in the 18th verse. And the first guy that we run into here, that Jesus runs into, is a self-made man. We read in verse 18, A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. Jesus said, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Of course, referring to the fact that he was God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Well, all these have I kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Well, when he heard this, this guy became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then in verse 26, kind of an interesting response from the disciples. It says, those who heard it asked, who then can be saved? Well, this first fellow that uh, we run into as Jesus is on his way into the city of Jerusalem was a guy who had it all together. He had money. And with money comes a lot of wonderful things, uh, power, prestige, authority, popularity. He pretty much had it all together. And he comes to Jesus wanting to know about eternal life. But he's one of these guys who comes to Jesus not so much hungry for the truth as in looking for validation that I'm okay in what I'm doing just bless me the way that I am sadly there are so many people today who claim the name of Jesus who approach their faith exactly the same way you've heard me speak about this many many times and I'll continue to talk about it as I challenge people look if you claim the name of Jesus okay you need to be living the way Jesus has asked you to live Sadly, a lot of people, they come to Jesus and they want the blessings of God. They want all the positive, you know. I mean, a lot of them just come, you know, to them, Christianity is kind of like fire insurance, you know, from hell. Uh, Just just enough to kind of cover cover them a little bit. But in terms of really having a passion for God and really wanting to do what God wants them to do, I am stunned at how many people struggle with this. And uh, this is all over the country. I travel all over the United States continually ministering and preaching and speaking to people all over the country. I'm stunned at how many people naming the name of Jesus just 
want to be told they're okay. They don't really want to change. They don't really want to turn away from what's wrong in their lives. They don't really want to follow this. They just want to know it's all right, it's okay. And they have all their reasonings and how they can continue to be self-centered, selfish, narcissistic little snots and want God to bless them. Of course, then they're shocked when their life isn't being blessed and when they're struggling and things are going against them and things aren't going right. And they're, man, what's the matter? How come things should be going right for me? And they're not. And then at close examination, you find out that they're still dearly hanging on to things that uh, they shouldn't be hanging on to. Oftentimes sin, sexual sin is a big one that seems to be just poisoning our culture today. In this guy's case, his sin was making an idol of what he had. Money was more important to him than truly following Christ. And, uh, you know, I am convinced. You know, oftentimes we hear people say, man, Pastor, how come, how come we don't see more miracles? Man, how come there's not cool stuff happening like they did in the New Testament? Why, why aren't we seeing more dramatic displays of faith? And I am absolutely convinced in my heart of hearts that the reason we don't is because we are so poisoned with sin. We're so selfish. We're so narcissistic. We just want what we want, when we want it, the way we want it. And if we can't have it that way, we just won't tolerate it anymore. There's people this morning just upset. They came to church and where they normally sit, somebody else was sitting. And that alone has them just traumatized. How dare I be inconvenienced? You know, I'll serve Jesus. I'll go to church as long as they sing the songs I like and the right preachers preaching the way I like them to preach. And blah 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 blah. And then wonder why 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 am I struggling in life? Why why aren't we seeing more of the power of God? We're more concerned with what we think than what what God thinks. Communicating with a lady last week, 24 years of age, freely having sex as a Christian, unmarried, and reasoning with me. Well, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong. None of my friends think there's anything wrong with that. You see, her center of morality was not God's Word, not what Jesus taught. No, who, who needs that? Her center morality is what I think and what my friends agree with. And, and as long as my friends agree, then, then that's all, that, that, then it's okay. I told her, look, I don't care if you and every single person in the world thinks what you're doing is okay. It's not okay. What you're doing is wrong. And you need to start doing what God has called you to do. But we don't want that. We just, People think I'm mean. I uh, <laughs> I uh, found this guy on... on uh, my, my son had sent me a clip from a guy from YouTube, a pastor out in uh, Seattle, Washington. He has a church called Mars Hill. It's a church like ours. It's a multi-site church where, you know, when he's speaking to the people, there's people in places all over Seattle. Uh, it's a lot bigger. The word church is about 3,000. That's like almost 10,000 out there. And uh, he's preaching about this very thing that I talk about and the frustration that so many pastors today have with people who just don't get it and uh, 
Uh, I was pretty impressed by this. It's only four minutes long. I want to play it for you this morning and uh, hopefully it'll play okay, but you'll, you'll get the basic gist of this. I want you to hear. Uh, it's not just me, okay? God is calling the church to get this right. And I believe this is going to be more and more and more where it's not so much about just God wants to bless you. We've heard so much for years. God just wants to bless you. Just not just you know, pray this prayer. It's all you got to do. bless you. It's all about you, 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 you. And finally the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, okay, enough of this. Grow up. This isn't just about you. This is about me. He's God. We're not. All right? That's the fundamental thing. And we need to do the right thing. He's challenging his men. You think I'm tough on guys. Listen to this cat. Some of you guys. It just... It's so frustrating. Some of you guys have been coming here for years. You still got your hands all over your girlfriend. Some of you guys have been coming here for years. Still not praying with your wife. Some of you guys have been coming here for years. You're still single and having sex. Some of you guys will even, even as I'm preaching the sermon, some of you will be sitting next to your girlfriend or your fiance or your wife. Some of you guys have already given her that look. Don't cry. Don't let them know they're talking about me. Just hold it together. You've already intimidated her right here. Some of you guys have already whispered in her ear. I don't want to hear it. We're not talking about this in the car on the way home. Some of you have already whispered in her ear. I'm sorry, I'll do better. Trust me. Let's just move on real quickly. How dare you? Who in the hell do you think you are? Abusing a woman. Neglecting a woman. Being a coward. A fool. Being like your father, Adam. Who do you think you are? You are not God. You are just a man. You're not an impressive man. You're not a responsible man. You're not a noble man. You're not a respectable man. You're not a responsible man in any regard. I don't care how successful you are. In this area, if you are a failure, it clouds all of your dignity. It robs all of your masculinity. There is no excuse for any man who claims the name of Christ to treat a woman in a dishonorable, disrespectful way. Some of you right now, you guys will get all angry. Oh, how dare he yell at me? That's the Holy Spirit telling you, it's you. I didn't name you, he did. You change now, little boy. You change right now. You shut up, you put your pants on, you get a job, you grow up, and maybe one day you can love a woman. It's for men, not for boys. And those of you men who are here, And your wives are suffering under your folly and failure. Shame on you. And shame on you if you say you're a Christian. 
And shame on you if you've been attending Mars Hill. And shame on you if you've been surrounded by good men and have pursued none of them. And shame on you if you've not become a member and submitted to spiritual authority. And shame on you if you've not joined a community group so you can walk in darkness. And shame on you if you show up to put communion in your hands, representing the body and blood of your murdered Savior. And then go put them on your girlfriend or download porn from the internet or raise your hand in a threat to your wife. Shame on you. You guys are a joke. And there's a handful of good men that are tired of picking up your mess. So you step up, you shut up, you man up, and you use all of that anger you have toward me right now to repent. You do business with God. At least I tried to make you laugh, you know. I think I'm bad, man. Here's a man who just wanted to be validated. I got it all together. How do I get into heaven? Jesus knew what was holding him back. He made an idol of his money. Said, you need to sell everything you have. Give it away. Come follow me. And he walked away sad. And his disciples amazingly said, man, who then can be saved? If a rich guy can't get saved, how can I possibly get saved? Jesus said, with all men, with men it's impossible, with God all things are possible. So that's the first guy. Jesus kept going along the way and we read in verse 35, as Jesus was approaching Jericho, A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. So we went from a self-made man to a nobody. When the blind man heard that the crowd was going by, he said, man, what's happening? What's what's all the racket? What's going on? I said, well, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus. Well, he'd heard about Jesus. Jesus had quite the impressive reputation going on. Heard about how he healed people and did miracles in people's lives. When he heard this, he called out, Jesus, son of David, have Have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him. Said, man, be quiet. Be quiet. You're nobody. You're nothing. Shut up. Hush. But he wouldn't listen to them. The Bible says he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. He made such a racket. Jesus stopped. He ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I I want to see. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. And he started to follow Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Well, unlike the first guy on the way, who was rich, had it all together. This guy's a blind beggar. He's a nobody. He's a nothing. He's about as low as you can go on the social ladder. When he heard Jesus was going by, he started yelling and hollering out for help. This guy had enough sense to realize he needed God. Now the other people tried to shut him up. It's interesting. Make no mistake. When you first make the decision to turn your life over to God, you will have all kinds of people in your life give you static. And they'll try to turn you away. 
and they'll fight you every step of the way. Oh, don't get into this Jesus stuff. Don't get all excited about that church nonsense. Goodness heavens, if you need help, just listen to Oprah or something. <laughs> Tune in to Dr. Phil. That's all you need. You don't, you don't need all that stuff. on. But this guy would not be silenced. Do you know why? Because he was tired of being a blind beggar. You know, at some point in your life, if you're going to truly experience God, you're going to have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're going to have to get tired of all the stuff you're hanging on to and realize this doesn't work for me. I'm tired of all the promises. Everybody says this will work and that will work. And I've tried this and I've tried that. And I'm still empty, hollow, and miserable on the inside. It's the way I was. 16 years of age. All kinds of stuff. Just a young little hippie over in Nielsville, Wisconsin. Into drugs, just a mess. But I was miserable. I did everything everybody said to do to have a good time and to have fun and stuff. But man, inside I was just a poor, blind beggar. And I was miserable. There wasn't enough drugs I could take. Wasn't enough pot I could smoke. There wasn't enough partying I could do that would take away the empty hole inside of me. And when I first heard that I could truly experience God, and that Jesus Christ truly loved me, and I could experience His grace and forgiveness in my life, I was blown away. And I responded right away. It didn't, it didn't take long. It didn't take a lot of convincing me that I was a sinner. <laughs> Man, I wanted this. The guy who was witnessing to me, I, I had to ask him three times to shut up so he'd pray with me. I desperately wanted this in my life. And it changed me. This guy may not have been the most dignified person that day, but he knew he wanted Jesus to heal him. And you know what? Unlike the first guy, this guy experienced a miracle. His eyes were open. He was touched. He was transformed. And he began to follow Jesus. Jesus kept walking along, and now he enters Jericho. It says, as he was passing through, there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, being a tax collector, you have to understand, made you a slime bag in this culture. This is a nation that is under occupation by the Roman Empire. They hated the Romans. They abused the people. Remember when Jesus said, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to him the other cheek? He's talking about the Romans. Because they come and they abuse people and slap them. Says, Instead of retaliating, just turn hit me this way too. Someone forces you to go with them a mile because they would do that. They could just take someone and say, I want you to carry my stuff for the next mile. You had no choice. You had to obey. What did Jesus say in response to that? This terrible, outrageous, this terrible, unjust, horrible, oppressive government that was upon them. They make us carry stuff for a mile. Jesus said, if you do that... Carry it two miles. They hated these people. And they really hated the collaborators. The ones who were traitors to their own nation. Some of you get mad at all kinds of people for different things. These guys were bad, bad people in the eyes of their countrymen. A total slime bag, a dirty, rotten scoundrel. Well, this guy... 
unlike the first one who wanted to be validated, unlike the second one who really needed help, this guy, he just wanted to see the parade. He, he had no opinion about anything. He just wanted to see Jesus, who he was. But it being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. The little guy couldn't see over the tops of their heads. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. He wanted to see Jesus as he was coming along. He just, well, Jesus is coming. Everybody's celebrating. They're all excited to see him. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops. And he looks up into the tree and he sees Zacchaeus, this man that everyone hated and despised. And unlike the first one who came for validation, unlike the second who screamed out for help, Jesus reaches out to this slime bag as far as everyone was concerned. He stopped up and he looked at him and said, Zacchaeus! He knew his name. Come down immediately! I must stay at your house today. (gasps) What? He wants to identify with this guy? Everybody hates this guy. And Jesus, this rock star of the day, is coming along. And he stops. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house today. Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I'm not sure what Mrs. Zacchaeus thought all this. I told you, let me know before you invite somebody over. I didn't invite him. He invited himself. Well, all the people saw this and they began to mutter. Oh man, what's going on here? He's gone to be the the guest of a sinner. This filthy, filthy man, this traitor. Jesus comes into his house. And it doesn't say what Jesus said to him. We don't know what he said to him. But it must have been something awfully impressive. Because Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look here, I now give half my possessions to the poor. Holy cow! I mean, some of you guys are nervous knowing that we're going to take an offering in a few minutes and you have to give five bucks. You know, Money, 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 money. <laughs> Guy gets up and says, I'm, he was wealthy. And he says, I'm going to give half of everything I own away. Now we don't know what Jesus said to him, but holy cow. And then he says, if I've cheated anybody else out of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. Now that had to take a big chunk out of the second half. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. I want to have the ushers come forward at this time and get ready to serve communion. Then he goes on, and this is where we read about Palm Sunday. A few verses along, he says, As he went along, entering the city, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they'd seen. That's when they brought out the palm branches and everything else, and they're celebrating. This is the Palm Sunday event. 
And they're celebrating. They're excited. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. See, they wanted to make him king. Uh, Finally, we're going to get rid of the Romans. See, that's what they really wanted. They weren't so hungry for righteousness. They weren't really, again, it's that selfish nature of us. A lot of us, yeah, we want Jesus as long as we can get what we want the way we want it and the way that we'd like it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here comes the king. Here comes the king. And they're celebrating and praising God. It was a joyous day. A week later they'll be yelling crucify him. But not today. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd. The religious people. They they don't like all this. All this emotion. All this display of emotion. Very inappropriate. Very inappropriate. You don't get all excited about God in church. What would God think? I don't need to raise your hands. I don't need all this happy music. What's the matter with you people? Some kind of cult. Some kind of weird wacko. You're brainwashed all of you. He told him, Jesus, tell him to quit yelling. Tell him to quit celebrating. Tell him to quit saying those things. And I love what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. <laughs> Moral of the story, you can be replaced with a rock. (laughs) I don't want a rock replacing me. I want to raise my voice. I want to celebrate His mercy, His goodness, His kindness in my life. A self-made man, a nobody, and a dirty, rotten scoundrel. He wasn't even looking for anything, but Jesus wasn't looking for him. Maybe you're here this morning, you think you just snuck into church. Maybe you think you're here by accident at a celebration campus. Trust me, you're not here by accident. God knew you would be here today. When you walked in this morning, he didn't go, holy cow, never thought he'd show up. (laughs) He knows exactly who you are. And he is reaching out to you. What kind of person are you this morning? More importantly... Are you going to walk away from Jesus because you can't get everything the way you want it? Or are you going to be the kind of person who either cries out to him out of desperation or you hear his voice calling at you from where you're sitting? It may not be in a sycamore tree this morning. But make no mistake, he's calling. Can you hear him calling out to you? Reaching out to you. Maybe you've never truly experienced God's grace and forgiveness in your life today. But if you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life and put your faith in Jesus, you can begin your life of faith this morning. I'm going to invite everybody at all the campuses to bow their heads in a word of prayer. And I'm going to invite everyone to pray this prayer along with me. And if you will pray this prayer with us, if you will mean this from the bottom of your heart, you can experience this wonderful Jesus that we've been celebrating today. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender to you. Amen.